Hello, this is Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. We are honored to have you listen to our podcast series, Diverse Engineering, Women Engineers Through the Decades, which would not be possible without the generous support of our gold sponsors, Bridgestone Americas, Continental Contatech, and the GPD Group. Together with our community partners, we at the University of Akron are committed to the success of students from around the world and in our own backyard. We are especially proud of the contributions and successes that have resulted from the hard work, determination, and dedication of our women engineering students. Please enjoy our podcast. Welcome to Diverse Engineering, a podcast celebrating the contributions, stories, and voices of those who have been historically excluded and thus underrepresented in the fields of engineering. My name is Ebony Bond, and I am a 2018 mechanical engineering graduate of the notable University of Akron, and I will be your host for this podcast. This season is in honor of women in engineering through the decades. You can expect to hear about the foundation that each woman's career was built on, their experience as a woman in engineering, and about their current lives and hopes for the future. This episode, titled Powering Up, features Barbara Eichinger. Here's what you should know about Barbara. Barbara is the vice president and co-founder of Future Plus Systems. She earned a bachelor's of science degree in electrical engineering here at the University of Akron in 1982 and later obtained her master's in electrical engineering from the University of Massachusetts at Lowell. Barbara has over 30 years of experience in standards organizations involved in computer bus architecture and shares her expertise on her company's blog. Barbara is married and has three children, and in her spare time, she plays tennis, snow skis, and loves to boat on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. I definitely look forward to sharing Barbara's entrepreneurial spirit here today, and definitely want to thank her for taking the time to represent the 80s decade. you have a company that you've co-founded i'm sure in your lived experience and with your tenacity you've been the first to fill in the blank well actually i'm not the first person in my uh, family to found a company my my brother greg he has his own company my brother rich has his own company my younger sister kathy has her own company so founding a company was not really anything that i was first in Uh, You might say, well, why do we have so many people in my family that founded their own companies? And I can attribute that to uh, how we reject authority. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we like being our own boss because we reject authority. Okay. okay? Uh, But something I did do outside of engineering that was kind of a first was I was involved in a zoning dispute, okay, here in the state of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And I took a very unorthodox approach to solving that problem because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an engineer. I want to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And in order to solve that problem, um, I changed three state laws and I repealed a zoning ordinance and I wrote my own reply brief to the New Hampshire Supreme Court. So I was very <laughs> proud of that. OK, and it just goes to show you what one person can do. Right. The zoning issue was called involuntary lot merging. And if you look that up with my name, you'll see the whole story. But in a nutshell, it would take away the grandfathering of small deeded lots. And in order to change that process, I had to change uh, state laws here in the state of New Hampshire. 
and repeal a zoning ordinance. So I got a lot of accolades from people didn't think, you know, a lot of lawyers told me, you know, this is the way it is. You have to accept it. And of course, not being a lawyer, I'd never even been in a courtroom. I had to, you know, use my research and engineering skills to figure it all out. It took Mm -hmm. me like three years working at night and I was successful. So that's something that I use my engineering skills for, my engineering background and my tenacity, you know, the same tenacity that Mm -hmm. helped me found my own company to really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people thanked me profusely because, you know, they didn't have the money and the resources to fight this problem. Mm -hmm. So there was something that you mentioned that I, you know, kind of wanted to go back to. You said like a lot of your siblings also own companies and you guys like reject authority. Do you think that it's like a certain way that you were raised that kind of allowed you all to live in that space of, you know, being able to reject authority or what is that? (laughs) So I'm one of five children and my parents never went to college. Okay. Okay? My father got polio when he was in high school. Oh, wow. Um, and he then was drafted into World War II. Okay. okay? So I'm a boomer. Okay? okay. I was born in 1960. Okay. I have one younger sister born in 64, but my other brothers and sisters born before me. And my father was kind of an authoritarian kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Love him dearly. And I think he kind of rejected authority, even though he was very authoritarian. And I think that we all just followed suit. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We, mm-hmm. we just don't like people telling us what to do. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds terrible. It's not like we don't get along here in society. We do. Mm-hmm. We just want to be our own boss and have control of our own time. And my father was a very confident man. Mm-hmm. And I think he instilled in us a lot of confidence. And my mother was, you know, she was very confident also. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't have the opportunities of college, but they made sure their five children did. So... They made sure you had the you know, opportunity to go to college and they weren't college educated. So how did you end up studying electrical engineering? Yeah. So this was a process of elimination. So back in, the, in 1978, when I was a senior in high school, there were only four types of engineering. You had chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical and civil. Well, I wasn't very good in chemistry. Okay. okay? So mix that one. Yep. Um, civil engineering, you know. It's a little too outdoorsy, a little too rough for me. You know, my sister's a civil engineer, though, and so is my brother. Okay. okay. But it was so cold out there, you know, so I kind of rejected the civil engineering. So that left mechanical and electrical. So mechanical, you know, seeing those 3D items and doing that, that drawing, I remember that class. And I didn't think my mechanical skills were very good. So I chose electrical engineering by process of elimination. Okay. <laughs> So when when you were in school, were you like heavily involved? Are there memories that stick out to you from when you were in school? So I had to study a lot because, you know, there was me and one other gal in the class. And I was at a bit of a disadvantage because a lot of my classmates, you know, were coming out of the armed services. Mm. And so they had technician experience Mm. or, you know, like my husband, who's four years older than me, he started working at age 16 as a technician in the electronics shop, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. not know anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I was good in math and I was a good student. Mm-hmm. So I figure I could rely on my strength. So I did, I relied on my strength. I studied hard. And so in school, I spent a lot of time studying, working with my classmates because, you know, we didn't have Google and we couldn't look things up. So what we did, we relied upon the previous year's notes 
Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. we would go, that was your job. Get the notes from the guy before you, yeah. you know, and then I would hand my notes along. So, yeah. and it was, you know, find the professors who would help you and, and yeah. find the students who would help you or anybody who would help you. So that's what I remember the most. Now I did play tennis for two years. Okay. At the okay. university of Akron on the women's tennis team, oh, wow. um, which is much better now than it was when I was on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I only could play two years because I didn't have the time I had to study, but I had a great time in college. It was hard though. And mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't the best student because mm-hmm. it was hard. I didn't get all A's and B's. I got mm-hmm. a lot of C's, but I made it. And I definitely can, you know, relate to the like people say, oh, well, engineering is so hard. And I say, well, more than hard is time consuming. You don't get to go out and just yes. play and have fun. You have to be somewhere practicing these problems and really understanding, like, how do you gather certain information that's going to feed into this problem? So it just takes a lot of time. Right. But you came into school being very confident. Do you feel like that affected your confidence at all? Yeah. So <laughs> I really had to rely upon my desire and determination. I mean, I'm just really, really a determined person. And my, I remember my, I was, got very sick. I was like my sophomore year and my parents came to visit me and I was just sick as a dog because I didn't have a lot of time to take care of myself and I didn't sleep a lot and mm-hmm. probably didn't eat right. And I was sick mm-hmm. and they had said, you know, Barbara, this is too hard for you. This is, this is too hard for you. Maybe you should think about something else. And then they told me, well, your brother, Rich, you know, my oldest brother, Rich, mm-hmm. you know, he was taking a master's program in medical technology and he had to take a basic engineering course. It was very hard. And he told my parents, you know, I bet you Barbie doesn't make it through electrical engineering. I, it's just mm-hmm. too hard. OK, mm-hmm. well, when my parents told me what my brother, Rich, said, that was it. <laughs> that was it. I mean, I. I mean, I pretty much said, just sit back and watch, and watch. the show. Yeah. Because I'm going to I'm going to run right by all you people. <laughs> and to this day, my I credit my brother, Rich, <laughs> for part of my part of my success. I said, Rich, you know, had you not told mom and dad that I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I might have dropped out. I love that. But because you said I couldn't do it. I had to do it. <laughs> I love that. So you were saying, okay, he was in grad school and he took some hard engineering class. Did you go to grad school right after getting your bachelor's? No. So I think I started in 86 to get my uh, master's. So I graduated in 83. Okay. I I was a December grad. I graduated. uh, Well, actually it was, yeah, December of 82, I graduated, but, uh, and I got married in January of 83. Okay. And like I said, I I married the love of my life, Ed. He's uh, an engineer I met on co-op and he's electrical engineer. He's four years older than me. Um, So I really felt like, you know, I was coming out of school, even though I co-opted and I had great co-op, I just, you know, I wasn't confident enough. So I worked a couple years in the field and then Digital Equipment Corporation, they had a program where they would pay for the master's degree. So I'm like, I'm going to go to night school and get my master's degree. Yep. And uh, I had gone, and then of course I had gone through one year, and of course it looked like I was going to make it because I needed a second year. So my husband was like, "Well, I'll be damned if I'm going to go through life with a woman who has a higher degree than Aww. I do." And so he then got his master's degree, 
And, uh, and we, so I'm in my second year, he's in his first year and we took some classes together. Mm-hmm. Now there's a funny story there because the professor, you know, these were night classes and you had to go to class. There's not virtual classes. You had to actually right. go and sit in classroom. Um, and, and the professor looks out there and, you know, you don't look like brother and sister. You know what I mean? Cause we had the same, same last, last name. name. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that professor and I said, well, that's cause we are not brother and sister. Okay. Yeah. So now he knows we're married, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh gosh. Ed used to always get a higher grade than me. And you know, the guy is just naturally smart. He never really, you know, he graduated top of his class. He never really had to work that hard. He was natural. He was a natural. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas I had to study my butt off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's one funny story. The guy would always give him a higher grade. Now, so we had this, these projects we had to do and I had uh, finished my project and we were supposed to go skiing that weekend. He's like, Oh, I can't go skiing. I didn't finish my project. Cause he was the last minute kind of guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do your project mm-hmm. so that we can go skiing. I did both projects, both projects, Ebony. Who do you think got a higher grade? He did. He did. Yep. He got a higher grade and that I proved. I said, see Ed, that's proof. That the professor wanted to make sure that the man was yeah. remained higher on the right. on the stack there. Okay. Right. I think it's to the point where like we have to set our own standards of success because if you let someone else like do it for you, it's always going to be like their their bias is going to naturally you know come in. How did you take that? I didn't like it. Of course, now I couldn't tell the professor that I did my husband's project. Okay. I couldn't do that because I, you know, I get thrown out of school. That's cheating. Okay. So I couldn't, couldn't say anything. And, you know, there's not much I can do about it other than repeat this story over and over again. After you left, you know, school, what do you think were some of the, like the hardest lessons that you had to learn like early in your professional career? You know, I, I learned over time, you know, I need to listen more. I need to try to understand you know, that person's point of view a bit better. Mm-hmm. My personality is pretty outgoing, mm-hmm. pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. And the lessons that I learned was I needed to tune it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I needed to understand, you know, that person's perspective, that person's point of view, how, and it, the fact that it is valuable. And those were hard lessons, Ebony. Yeah. But I learned them and they're still with me today. Before we continue on with Barb Eichinger's story, I want to thank you for listening to this diverse engineering podcast series. My name is Keridan Morgan, and I am able to attend the University of Akron because of the Women in Engineering scholarships that I have received. These scholarships, which are offered through the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, make a huge impact in my academic success by reducing my financial need. If you would like to make a difference in another female engineering student's academic career, please text WIE to 71777 or give online at uacron.edu forward slash giving forward slash WIE. Were there any things that like surprised you most about the dynamics of being a woman in these spaces? I didn't really have too many problems. I I do recall one time where I was a lead engineer on a product and I was in the room with some suppliers and this was, you know, back when they invented ethernet. So this was quite a while ago. And my boss was, he's a very funny guy. 
And he lets the supplier go on and on and on and on and on. And the supplier is literally preaching to him directly about this part. Okay. And I'm sitting there. Right. And he's got this Cheshire cat smile on his face and he mm. lets the supplier go down the, down the rat hole. And he, he's, then he stops him and he says, I don't know why you're talking to me. She's the design engineer. Mm. Okay. And of course he turns six shades of red, you know, right. and my manager just smiled like a Cheshire cat, you know, right. like, wasn't that fun. <laughs> right. Do you, do you feel like people respond differently when they find out that you've co-founded the company that you work for? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in some cases, they'll naturally assume that the reason I'm the vice president is because I'm married to the president. They naturally assume that he's smarter, mm-hmm. right? They naturally assume that, you know, he founded the company and I'm the vice president simply because I'm his wife, right. okay? Which is really not the case, okay? The, and now I'm not taking anything away from my husband. Right. He is smarter than I am. Okay, okay. I'll give you that. Uh-huh straight up. Uh Okay. But the company was my idea. And, you know, I brought the first product to the table. Uh And the way we did that was, you know, Ed quit his job to take the ball and run with it while I worked for two years and supported our family. You know, we started the company. I had one, we had one three-year-old, my little three-year-old son, Daniel. And then my daughter, Lindsay, was a newborn. I was nine months pregnant when we founded Future Plus Systems. Oh, wow. So it was really a team effort, mm-hmm. but it, I was always assumed to play second fiddle, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And it, it did, does it bother me occasionally? Yes, no. I think over time it's been less bothersome uh-huh. because a lot of times, like, I'll answer the phone and people will say, well, you know, can I talk to somebody technical? And they'll hear my voice and I says, you got her, yep. you know, and yep. they'll say, well, you know, I would like to talk to the engineer right here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What's yep. your question? You know right. what I mean? And, and usually after a, a couple of sentences come out of my mouth and they're like, oh, okay. Yep. Okay. You're, you're the person I want to talk to. Is there any advice that you would have for a woman studying, wanting to study engineering or maybe even start an engineering company? I mean, I think women in engineering, I think it's a really good technology. It's a really good field of study and it's a very good career for women. Mm-hmm. I really think engineering is, is fantastic. So, you know, my advice would be find something that you're interested in and go for it. Mm-hmm. As far as starting your own business. Oh, I, I can totally recommend that. I can't say it's easy to start a business. But I think it's easier, Mm -hmm. especially getting funding. Mm -hmm. I mean, back when Ed and I started the company, we didn't want anyone to know we were a startup. And we didn't want anyone to know we were a small company because that was a real negative. Um, Now, you know, if you're a startup, oh, boy, that's great. You know, people look at it much, much differently. And as far as, you know, starting a company with your significant other, you know, in my case, my husband, I mean, that was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we are both very competitive. Yeah. We, we, we work together. We raise children together. We play tennis together. You know, he's the love of my life. And I, I couldn't be happier with Aww. the choices that I made. Aww. So you founded this company together. How would you explain what your company does to maybe your neighbors? How would they be able to understand it? Okay, so we make test equipment 
So our test equipment is used by electrical engineers, electronic computer engineers, software engineers during the design phase or the validation phase of of their products. And so some of the products that our engineers make are cell phones, okay, or servers, and servers are the computers in cloud computing. Like we have customers that do uh, virtual reality and augmented reality goggles, mm-hmm. okay? So basically, you have DDR memory, okay? Mm-hmm. And you have, you know, the memory controller will read and write information to the memory, mm-hmm. okay? We intercept that signal, okay? We take a small amount of current off the bus, amplify the signal, and recreate the traffic between the memory controller and the memory part. So it's kind of like we we're a, we eavesdrop, mm-hmm. you know, we eavesdrop on the communication between the memory controller and the memory. Mm-hmm. And we put that up on a screen so that the engineer can see, hey, the memory controller said right, and the memory accepted the right, but then got an error. Okay, so they get to see a clock cycle by clock cycle uh, display of the communication between the memory controller and the memory. And we do the same thing for displays based on DisplayPort, okay? So if you're an Apple user, uh, you might have heard of DisplayPort. It's used a lot in computers. And so you have the graphics controller will send information, you know, down the cable, or in the case of a laptop, it would be across a connector, you know, on a little flex connector, uh, to the screen, okay, or the monitor. And uh, we intercept that traffic the same way by taking a small amount of current off the bus. We amplify the signal and we tell the engineer, hey, that's a blue pixel, that's a green pixel, that's an interrupt, that's a refresh. You know, we tell the engineer what's going on so that if there's a problem, they have some information that they can use to fix the problem. So what does your day-to-day look like as the VP of new business development? So... You know, the new business development is I always have to think about the new technology. Mm -hmm. Should my company make test equipment for new technology? Because I have to be up to date to understand if the test equipment we're making has to change or not. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I do is I read specs. The second thing I do is I read email, read email pretty much all day long. And those emails will have problems, you know, like customer says, they need customer support, like something doesn't work correctly. Okay, so I read that. I go, okay, let's talk with our engineers. Who am I going to assign to that problem? Or the engineer might be already working on it, and they might tell me this is how they resolve the problem. So um, I might get an email from a customer saying they want a quote, okay, or they want the data sheet. So I actually now have somebody to help me that that sends out a lot of that stuff, but I still do a lot of the quoting. We've seen a real change in the marketplace that more of our sales are outside the United States than inside the United States. Mm -hmm. So really, it's my day is reading specs, um, reading email, and then solving various problems that come my way. So that's like heavily on, on on the business side. Um, but you're still really involved on the technical side. Is there one that you like more than the other? Um, actually, I prefer the technical side. Yeah. Okay. But it's kind of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you only got the peanut butter, you know, the sandwich isn't quite as good without the jelly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can be as technical as I want and dream up all of these technical products. But if on the business side, if there's nobody who wants it and there nobody wants to buy it, right. uh, then 
I'm wasting my time and energy. Yep. So it's really the intersection of the technical and the business mm-hmm. that is the sweet spot mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I enjoy the most is looking at the technology and then looking at the marketplace, then looking from a business perspective, how many of these will we sell? Mm-hmm. And then everybody in the company, we get involved in, should we make this? Right. Okay. And that's really what I probably enjoy the most is that intersection of the technical and the business. Yeah. And then it's like you get to problem solve on the technical side, but you also have to figure out, am I really problem solving something in the real world? You know, is, is this a solution that right. somebody wants? Um, and if so, like, who are those people? And where are they? <laughs> you know, um, that's right. Do you that's right. Do you leverage your engineering skill set on the business side of things? Do you feel? You know, on the engineering side, we have to deal with a lot of um, details, technical details, and we have to, you know, rationalize all those technical details. So I think the engineering skills of, you know, just any type of technical analysis, the math skills, you know, cause and effect skills that you would use in engineering also spill over to the business side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, complex topics. So yes, I use the skill set that I hone in engineering. I do use that in business. What would you say is like your desire impact or, or reputation when all this said and done? Okay. So yeah. So what do I want written on my gravestone? Um, <laughs> that I was a good person, yeah, good citizen, good mother, mm-hmm. good sister, a good family member and a good employer. My team is very important to me and it's very important to Ed also. And, you know, we've been in business 30 years. It's hard to believe. And, you know, our employees are wonderful. They've been with us forever. And, you know, we're concerned about them. I mean, these are tumultuous times and, you know, we want to be seen and, you know, we want our reputation to be, you know, honest, Mm -hmm. fair, Mm -hmm. competent, Mm And, you know, an all around good person. And, mm-hmm. and really, that's what we strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have a lot of people who have been there with you for a long time, that's also a testament, you know, of that. Yeah. They are work at Future Plus with free will. Right. Mm-hmm. They can pick up and leave whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want them to do that. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So we have to create an environment that is advantageous. Right. To our employees and the same thing with our customers. Customers can go elsewhere. So mm-hmm. we have to show them. We have to provide products and services that they want. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing a good job staying ahead of it all. Um, so my final question to you is what drives you more, tennis love or the love of tennis? Well, I do love tennis. I am addicted to tennis. Mm-hmm. And I just actually think it's a combination of physical exercise and mental exercise. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there was some other sport, you know, like now I'm getting into pickleball and some other things. I think it's, you know, like in business, you know, and like on the tennis court, it's the fact I'm getting physical exercise and I'm getting mental exercise. I think that that's kind of what I really enjoy and what, what drives me and, and really, you know, I like to tell my kids, you know, tennis is like life, you know, and sometimes you're playing singles 
okay, where it's just mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Um, and you got to count on yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're playing doubles where you, you got a teammate, mm-hmm. okay, that you can rely on and that teammate is going to rely on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. people will tell you, I'm very competitive. Yeah. I yeah. play to win. When I step on the court, I play to win. Yeah. Okay. But I, I mean, I don't cheat or anything. You got to play and you got to be proud of your win. Yeah. Okay. So if my opponent gives up, well, that's no fun. Right. You know, I, I like the competition and I like to win. And that's the same thing in business. Are there any last sentiments or pieces of advice that you like to share? Life is short, you know, and it's much more fun to be nice than it is to be mean. Yeah. Okay. And that's really what I've learned over the years. You know, people say, you know, the the statement there about don't give to receive, Mm -hmm. you know, give to give. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. Now, it's taken me a long time, Ebony, to to come to these realizations. And, you know, I'm trying to give everybody the benefit of all these years. But it's much more fun to be nice than it is to be mean. I like that. Well, thank you so much for your enthusiasm and your time today and all of the stories that you've you shared with us um <laughs> hopefully people will be able to you know take some insight or maybe even be inspired uh by it so definitely want to thank you again okay great well listen go zip yes forever a zip <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week on Diverse Engineering. And thank you to Barbara for offering her reflections and time today. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Diverse Engineering, Women Engineers Through the Decades. I want to thank Bridgestone Americas, Continental Contatech, and the GPD Group for their generous support of this podcast series. If you'd like to help ease the financial burden of our diverse students within the Women in Engineering program, please consider donating. We need the help of community sponsors and listeners like you to support our Women in Engineering program. To donate, text WIE to 71777 or give online at www.uacron.edu slash giving slash WIE. Lastly, thank you to podcast host Ebony Bond, podcast editor David Campbell, WZIP manager Chris Kepler, and the College of Engineering and Polymer Science for making this podcast a reality. This has been Dr. Gary Miller, president of the University of Akron. Remember to aim high and rise higher. Go Zips!